Today's episode of First Look ETF is brought to you by the New York Stock Exchange, the home of ETFs. To hear from experts across the ETF market, visit homeofetfs.com. NYSE has sponsored this production by ETF Guide LLC for illustrative, informational, and educational purposes only, without regard to any particular investor's objectives, financial situation, or circumstances. NYSE neither represents nor warrants the accuracy or correctness of any of the statements in the production, which has been independently assembled by ETF Guide LLC and with whom sole editorial control rests. NYSE makes no recommendation as to possible benefits from any securities or trading strategies, and this production is not a rec- recommendation, offer, or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or engage in any trading strategy. Prior to the execution of a purchase or sale of any security, you are advised to consult with your own advisors. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the May 2023 edition of First Look ETF. I'm Stephanie Stanton with ETF Guide. It is great to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we'll examine a pair of active ETFs built for income investors. Plus, we'll analyze a fund that screens stocks based upon human capital. And we'll tell you about a new ETF that taps into the power of artificial intelligence. Before we go any further, though, let's get a quick recap of new ETF launches. We've got Douglas Jonas joining us from the New York Stock Exchange. Hi, Douglas. It's great to have you with us. Hi, Stephanie. It's great to be back for another month. Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, start out, of course, with the latest update on the ETF launch activity. Yeah, I mean, last month was really active. There was 28 new ETFs that launched in the industry. They raised over $2.2 billion in net cash flow. But more importantly, it's really about full industry growth. We continue to see ETFs grow here at the New York Stock Exchange. In fact, year to date, there's been over $107 billion in new cash flow coming into the industry. And interestingly enough, 30% of all that cash flow in the first quarter, where did it go? Active ETFs. Maybe this truly is the year for active. Yeah, absolutely. You know, those numbers are just always so mind blowing. So according to a recent report from Marsh McClellan, uh, McLennan, rather, they project ETFs will account for almost 25% of all fund assets by the year 2027. The ETF industry has been experiencing, of course, impressive growth. Do you think that these projections are realistic? Yeah, I mean, Stephanie, you tell me, right? Year to date, 119 ETFs have launched, raising close to $8 billion in new assets. There's now over 3,120 ETFs in the U.S. with about $7 trillion with a T in assets under management. And growth rates are increasing each year, not steadying out. You know, when we look at some of those trends, we've got new asset managers entering the space. We've got conversions directly from mutual funds, conversions directly from SMAs. You now have the ability to do actively managed ETFs without showing your holdings every day. And now we've got a filing for exemptive relief from Perpetual on this multi-share class ETF. The list goes on and on where growth might and will be coming from. In fact, last week we did a webinar here at the New York Stock Exchange, the 10th annual results of the BBH Global Investor Survey. What did we see? 90% of the users of ETFs are planning on increasing or maintaining their high level of usage rate on ETFs. So we're, we're big believers in the growth of the ETF marketplace. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those are obviously some very impressive trends. Um, Looking forward, what other trends are you seeing at this point? 
Yeah, I mean, if you're listening in and you're not watching, there's some really important trends we're looking at here at the New York Stock Exchange. First, if you have not gone to our website, ETF Central, that's ETFcentral.com, go now. We've actually partnered with the ETF Institute and you can now earn a certified ETF FINRA advisor. You can raise the bar on your ETF education, again, at ETFcentral.com. Second, we have continued to launch ETFs directly here on the New York Stock Exchange floor. The very sixth ETF, DIP, you're going to hear about that ETF in today's show. It's now listed and being traded by the designated market makers below me. And finally, I'll point out we launched a brand new podcast series, ETF Central, the podcast. You can find it anywhere you're listening to your favorite podcast about ETFs. Maybe together, Stephanie, this year we can make this the year of ETF education. Wow. All right. Well, always again, always so impressive. It is great to have you with us, Douglas. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Stephanie. And just a quick reminder that you can now watch First Look ETF on Amazon Fire TV and Roku. So be sure to check us out there. Also, we simulcast First Look ETF on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, and other major podcasting platforms. So don't miss it. All right. Artificial intelligence is projected to contribute up to $15 trillion to the global economy by the year 2030. That is according to a recent study by PwC. AI is impacting all aspects of commerce, including the money management business. And now there's a new ETF that taps into the power of AI. And here to tell us more about it is Ryan Pinnell. Artificial intelligence, obviously this is becoming so prevalent, embedded in business everywhere. It is also impacting the way portfolio managers screen and select investments. Tell us a little bit more about it. I think that there's there's general consensus now that AI represents uh, powerful assistive capabilities, not only for asset managers, but across numerous businesses. And uh, there's, there's a core understanding of AI's ability to do a lot of the heavy lifting. Uh, for example, as you say, a growing number of portfolio managers are using AI as a culling mechanism to uh, streamline their decision-making processes. Uh, where, where I think the gulf currently exists, though, is that I'm not seeing yet substantial enough trust in AI to uh, allow it to make the endpoint investment decision itself. There's still the presumption that the human can make that decision better than the machine, and it'll take some time for there to be greater comfort, uh, I think, in a transition there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So the BTD Capital Fund, that ticker is DIP, DIP, is among your firm's latest launches. How does this fund work and what types of investments does it hold? So uh, we use AI to identify artificially oversold stocks that we believe will mean revert to the upside in the very near term. We, we don't try to predict longer term trends. Uh, we don't try to time the markets. Uh, we're looking at very specific criteria, uh, taking a position and then exiting once we've determined that our profit target has been met, that the profit target is no longer likely to be met or that the mean reversion itself uh, is unlikely to occur. Uh, generally, we're talking one to seven days, so it's a very short-term hold. Uh, and we're holding, by and large, S&P components and larger index ETFs. So on that note, then, how do you envision a fund like DIP being utilized by um, investment managers? We see it as a, a complementary complementary uh, holding to conservative S&P tracking strategies. Uh, it's not necessarily meant to replace those positions in an investor's portfolio, but rather to add additional uh, profit over, let's say, an S&P beta to hopefully deliver the reasonable outperformance that the investor is looking for. So 
any uh, any manager that is predominantly tracking an S&P baseline might consider adding some dip to add a little bit of conservative outperformance to that holding. Makes a lot of sense. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us here on First Look ETF. It is so great to have you with us. Thank you again for having us. Income investing is dramatically different today versus just a few short years ago. This time around, instead of using a one-dimensional approach, investing in a wide variety of assets and yield strategies may help investors better meet their needs. And here to discuss a new pair of income-focused ETFs is David Scranton, CEO and founder of Sound Income Strategies. Hi, David. It is great to have you with us. Well, Stephanie, great to be here. Thank you. So up until last year, income-seeking investors were starved for yield. But now that interest rates have moved higher, how have market conditions impacted income investment strategies? I think the biggest thing is bonds are back for the first time in over a decade and a half. People are interested in bonds. They're asking about bonds. And, you know, interestingly enough, you know, we've always been able even in, 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 in the bowels of the interest rate environment, perhaps a year and a half, two years ago, we were always able to get people, you know, four, 4.5% net of fees looking at bonds and bond-like instruments, but it was a lot more difficult. Well, right now, uh, that's going up by 2.5%. So it's unfortunate that some of those people before saw losses on paper when interest rates went up, um, but the good news is at least whatever income they were generating, if they needed the actual income, it stayed the same. But now, by making the transition now and maybe considering bonds and bond-like instruments for a little bit more of, of, of somebody's assets, it gives them a chance to lock in uh, a better interest rate and, frankly, do it at a time when uh, I think the Fed's close to maxing out interest rates. So hopefully this headwind we felt with bonds really for the last year and a half will soon turn into a tailwind. And, and bond investors not only will lock in a better yield than they've been able to get in a long time, but moreover, be able to see some capital appreciation. Yeah, everyone is looking for uh, the silver lining, the good news, if you will, in this market. So your firm has expanded into the ETF market with a pair of active funds targeting high-income strategies. Your ticker symbols, DIVI and FIXED, that's D-I-V-Y and FIXED, F-X-E-D. Tell us more about these ETFs. Well, it's kind of interesting because I never, ever, ever thought I would start an ETF uh, frankly, I'm a like, Benjamin Graham, uh, fundamental investing, bottoms-up individual security guy. But what happened was we have proprietary methods of investing. Divi, it's a proprietary method of investing in high-dividend common stocks. And for FXED, proprietary method of investing in bonds and bond-like instruments. And when we looked for ETF solutions, frankly, for some of our smaller clients who needed ETFs to diversify, we looked through the industry and we couldn't find anything that did either did what we do the way we do it or did it nearly as well as we do it. Uh, in the case of Divi, uh, when we looked at all the high dividend equity funds out there going back three years, uh, there were only a handful that had a higher yield than our separately managed accounts. And when we, when we, we looked behind the curtain, they all had, I consider it cheating, they had MLPs, they had REITs, Maybe they had some ugly-looking tobacco stocks. And when you took all those out, uh, nobody had the yield that we had along with the performance. Um, in, in going back just the last few years, you know, we were able to outperform uh, in the bull markets in 2021, and we actually made money last year in a bear market in 2022. So in retrospect, I'm glad we started the fund because 
uh, it's done it's done better than most. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a feather in your cap there, by the way. Hats off to you guys. Well, thank you. Thank you. And, and thanks to our, our, our CIO, uh, Eric Byrich, who, who heads up that fund. But on the FXED, uh, basically, I created a formula back in 1999 using efficient frontier modern portfolio theory, whereby you would take a portfolio of mostly bonds and preferreds, and instead of adding equities to it to lower the standard deviation and to increase the return, um, I added some uh, bond-like equities, you know, REITs and later BDCs. And the theory back then was if I can do that, I should be able to lower the standard deviation, increase the yield, and increase the total return. And over the last two and a half decades, we've proven that to be true. So FXED is really the result of that strategy. Again, I tried to form that strategy from existing exchange-traded funds. And when I realized I just didn't have the tools that were, existed at the time, we decided to go out and to create FXED ourselves. Yeah, but it looks like your strategy is working. On that note, how do you see um, investors, money managers utilizing both of these ETFs as part of an overall portfolio? Well, for FXED, it's somebody who wants to lower the risk and increase the yield. And um, if they want to lower the risk and increase the yield by not being limited to just bonds, but having uh, really a, an interesting formula of bonds, preferred, a little bit of BDC, a little bit of REIT, uh, they, they can really hit that sweet spot for income and risk. In the case of DIVY, I would say there's really two types of investors there. One is the person who still wants to be in the game and wants some growth. Uh, maybe they don't want to take the risk that they are in growth strategies, so they go to a more high dividend value strategy, and they see that extra dividend as being a great way to lower their, their volatility. But moreover, somebody who understands the power of dividends to get more return over the long run. You know, white papers have been written for decades now by academics about why dividends are such an important part of total return over the long run in equity strategies, but they all fall short of explaining why. And the reason is really dollar cost averaging. For those who don't want the income, who want growth, if they take those dividends and they actually reinvest those dividends, they're, they're helping their dollar cost averaging strategy. So essentially, uh, they can let the math do the work for them without the risk. See, if you're going more growth, you're letting the risk try to get you more return. By reinvesting those dividends in equity strategy, you're letting the math get you more return without taking more risk. Yeah, and I mean, is it surprising to you that people are focusing more on dividends now? I mean, given the current conditions, I feel like dividends were kind of like not so much in favor, but now it's all the rage again. And it should be the rage. It really should be. I mean, you know, the, the baby boomers and, and some, some Generation Xers are getting older where, hey, we need income. Maybe we don't want to be out of the game. We're not like our grandparents going to buy CDs, right? We still want to be in the game, but we know we need to start to set ourselves up for income. Um, and, you know, our mission is to educate people that, hey, they don't really have to sacrifice total return necessarily to get more income if they're using the proper, and that's the key word, the proper type of high dividend equity strategy. Makes a lot of sense. David Scranton, thank you so much for joining us here on First Look ETF. It is great to have you with us. It's great to be here. Thank you, Stephanie. Human capital is defined as the knowledge and skills of people that add value to the bottom line of a company. Well, there are several up-and-coming companies that are now tapping into the power of human capital. And here to discuss a new ETF that uses this strategy is Steve Cook, Managing Director and Head of ETFs with Harbor Capital. Hi, Steve. Welcome to the show. Hi, Stephanie. Thanks for having me. 
So your firm's latest ETF is the Harbor Corporate Culture Small Cap ETF. That ticker is HAPS, H-A-P-S. And one of the unique features is how the fund uses a screening process based upon the human capital factor. What is the human capital factor? And tell us more about this screening process. I think to take a step back, you know, behavioral finance in general has been utilized to help drive many aspects of business, negotiating, how we unlock bias in our decision making. But to date, it really has not been utilized uh, to make investment decisions and to help generate alpha. Uh, And this brings us to behavioral economist Dan Ariely and his team at Irrational Capital, um, who have spent years developing the research and collecting data to allow them to create the human capital factor. Uh, And the human capital factor utilizes public and privately collected data uh, on companies' employees and, and how they feel about their employers. Um, its culture, and and whether or not they feel valued. And the idea is if they feel valued, they're going to be more willing to work harder, to drive corporate success, and then over time, that's going to lead to corporate outperformance. And so companies always talk about their employees being their biggest asset um, that they have, and this really allows um, the human capital factor to measure how a, a company is caring for that asset. And so Harbor's investment research team did a deep dive uh, into the investment case uh, supporting the human capital factor, and they found it to be a compelling source of differentiated investment returns uh, over a long term. Uh, And so we've created a suite of ETFs now uh, that rely on that research. The first was HAPI, Harbor Corporate Culture Leaders ETF, HAPI, the Harbor Corporate Culture ETF, and then, as you mentioned, mo- most recently, HAPS, the Harbor Corporate Culture Small Cap ETF. Okay, so let's let's dive into HAPS if, if you can. Um, let's talk a little bit about how many holdings are in HAPS. And then also, uh, if you can, give us uh, some examples of some of the companies that we might see. Sure. So there are approximately 200 names uh, in HAPS. Um, the names are float adjust market cap weighted. Um, out of the universe of approximately 2,000 small cap names. Um, and uh, some of the holdings uh, in Spirity Inc., which is a human resource services and technology outsourcer, uh, a company called HB Fuller, uh, which is a global manufacturer and supplier of industrial adhesives and specialty materials, Evercore Inc., uh, which is a global independent investment banking and research firm, um, Physicians Realty Trust, uh, which is a healthcare property REIT, um, and Asbury Automotive Group, uh, which operates uh, a number of automobile dealerships across the U.S. So a pretty diversified group of, of businesses that exist in HAPS. Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, how important is diversity right now in terms of the holdings given this current environment? I think it's very important, uh, and I think it's important when you're looking at the goal of HAPS to drive, again, uncorrelated alpha for investors. Uh, I think it's uh, an important piece of kind of the overall investment thesis uh, behind HAPS. Uh, and it's um, one of the reasons that, you know, we had an institutional client um, that is in the process of making a large allocation to HAPS as a result of both the human capital capital factor process uh, and the diversity and uncorrelated alpha that it's uh, expected to drive. Quickly, before we go, how do you see investment managers using HAPS as part of an overall diversified portfolio? 
So again, I think uh, uh, when building a diversified portfolio, small cap allocation needs to be part of, of that for clients. Uh, and when looking at the options that advisors have uh, to allocate to these products, um, again, driving uncorrelated returns is going to be important. Uh, and so utilizing HAPS as uh, the slug of your portfolio to provide that small cap uh, exposure to investors is an excellent way to do that. And it does it, does it leveraging the benefits of the ETF structure, which is transparent and tax efficient uh, and, and provides that liquidity. All right, Steve Cook, thank you so much for joining us here on First Look ETF. It's great to have you with us. Great to be here. Thank you. And that does it for this edition of First Look ETF. If you like the show, be sure to give us a like and a comment in the comment section below. Want to give a big thanks to all of our guests today, including Douglas Jonas from the New York Stock Exchange. Be sure to check out ETFcentral.com to learn more. I'm Stephanie Stanton with First Look ETF. Thank you so much for watching. We will see you next time. Today's episode of First Look ETF is brought to you by the New York Stock Exchange, the home of ETFs. To hear from experts across the ETF market, visit homeofetfs.com. NYSE has sponsored this production by ETF Guide LLC for illustrative, informational, and educational purposes only, without regard to any particular investor's objectives, financial situation, or circumstances. NYSE neither represents nor warrants the accuracy or correctness of any of the statements in the production, which has been independently assembled by ETF Guide LLC and with whom sole editorial control rests. NYSE makes no recommendation as to possible benefits from any securities or trading strategies, and this production is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or engage in any trading strategy. Prior to the execution of a purchase or sale of any security, you are advised to consult with your own advisors.